And the first fire upon the altar Sauron kindled with the hewn wood of Nimloth, and it crackled and was consumed. But men marveled at the reek that went up from it, so that the land lay under a cloud for seven days, until slowly it passed into the west. Thereafter the fire and smoke went up without ceasing, for the power of Sauron daily increased, and in that temple, with spilling of blood and torment and great wickedness, men made sacrifice to Melkor that he should release them from death. Hey there, Tolkieners! Welcome to season four. I'm Danny J, and this is Joel N, and we are back today with episode forty-three. Yay! We missed you guys in our absence. We hope everyone had a good summer. Yeah, today's kind of a special episode. Yeah, um, yeah, it's uh, something we're, something we don't normally do. It's going to be less encyclopedic, but it's going to be more. We're kind of like trying to test how good we are at what we do. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a more or less a Q&A. So, we figured we're getting pretty good at this by now. So, we thought we'd test ourselves, have somebody uh, more or less question our knowledge. So, we decided today we are going to do an episode called Trevor's Tribulations. And we call it that because we have Trevor here to ask us his questions about the Tolkien Legendarium. Yay, yeah. Trevor as you remember is our friend from season 1. He's one of the best discussers and question askers ever, even in any state of inebriation, really. <laughs> oh. Say hello, Trevor. But say, say hello. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Glad to be back. We're going to let you speak now. Welcome to the show. Yeah, welcome back. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it's fun having guests. It's it's nice. So let's catch up a little bit. Last time uh, Trevor was on the show was our way back in season one. We did the uh, two-part Tour and Tour and Bar episode. And yeah. he was on the first part, but not on the second part. Yeah, we don't know how many of you were uh, paying attention to that. But in our uh, Tour and Tour and Bar two-parter, yeah, we had Trevor asking us questions throughout the first part, but uh, he wasn't part of the second episode. So. And yes, sir, your tangible absence led me to think that that episode could have been better with you. I'm so sorry. I agree. 2020 hindsight. 2020 hindsight. But, but anyway. we figured since we left you off in the middle of that story, real quick before we start the uh, Trevor's Tribulations, we figured it'd be fun to kind of wrap up the story of Turin Turinbar for you, but uh, super fast. Super fast. This is Children of Hurin, the second half of the story, lightning round. <laughs> can, I, can I interrupt you guys real yeah, quick? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I just wanted to surprise you and let you know because right. I hadn't started yet. I okay. listened to every episode up until this one. Oh, for real? Yeah. I went through you started all, listening to them. all of season one and then when I got to this episode, I was like, okay, I got to stop because I'm going to get the full rundown. Hell yeah. All right, cool, man. Nice. That's great. He's been uh, We've been telling him to listen to our podcast for years <laughs> and uh, he's actually been on it and not listened to it. Yeah, he's been on it. Multiple times. <laughs> if you, so you've listened to all the episodes you've been in? I listened to, well, I just listened to episode one through like 10 or 11. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wherever this one was starting, 11, I stopped. Yeah. And then after today, I'm going to continue through okay. the rest of it. Cool. So he has nice. no idea what... <laughs> Here we go. So we've been holding him back for <laughs> for this episode. All right. So <clears throat> where we left off. So we left off uh, in our first part of the Tour and Tour of Bar episode. 
We left off right after the sacking of Nargothrond, where Glaurung the dragon had destroyed Nargothrond, and he had put a spell on Turin Turambar. And he's running half crazy back to his hometown. Now, yeah, now Turin Turambar, rather than killing the dragon, is just running off to his old home country up north. All right, ready for it? Yeah, Trevor? so we're going to do a like a speed round. We're just going to list off as many horrible things that happen that we can think of. I'm ready. Okay, so first, Turin goes home and gets a bunch of his other House of Hador folk killed. He eventually tracks Finduilas' captors, but finds her dead. Morrowind and Neonor, his mother and sister, they run into the very dragon he just left. The dragon curses Neonor, his sister, and she runs off naked. Later on, Turin finds a naked girl in the woods. And uh, Turin and naked girl fall in love and get married. And he knocks her up. Turin gets more of his friends killed through uh, other stories. Drake, uh, <laughs> Turin faces the dragon. He fucking kills the dragon. But as Glaurung dies, the spell is lifted. And now the naked girl remembers that she is Turin's sister. And she kills herself. And then Turin kills one of his friends for telling the truth about what just happened. Then Turin kills himself. The end. But wait, is it really? Oh, no. <laughs> no. If you remember, the story is called The Children of Hurin. So now, that the ch- now that the children are dead, let's go back to Hurin. So is that enough tragedy for you? Because there's more coming. It's it's pretty messed up. <laughs> uh, yeah, that... Okay. All right, here well, we go. there's more. <laughs> so Hurin is released from captivity. Hurin accidentally reveals the secret location of the hidden kingdom of Gondolin. Damn. That leads to its downfall. With a bunch of dragons and shit. And uh, then later on, Hurin meets Morwen, his wife, at the grave of their children. She asks him if he knows what happened to their children. He lies to her, says no, and then she dies in his arms, never knowing the truth. Which was actually a mercy, but is very sad. Uh, then Hurin verbally attacks one of the few friends he has left living, King Thingol. Hurin throws him the Noglamir just to insult him. The Noglamir that Necklace of the Dwarves later goes on to basically be King Thingol's downfall and leads to the eventual sack of the entire kingdom of Doriath. And then Hurin drowns himself in the ocean. And that's the end, the end. of the children of Hurin. Yay! Woo! So a bunch of people just killed themselves after tragedy. Oh, yes. Yeah, more people killed themselves in that story than, like... All the rest like of it? All the rest of it, yeah. I think this is one of the only stories in the Legendarium that includes suicide. Majros kills himself. Oh, yeah, he does. Well. He throws himself into the pit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's back. like Majros, Neonor, Turin, Hurin. Oof. But yeah, yeah. so that was really heavy, but uh, we were really excited to finish off that tragedy for you. That was brutal, man. I would much rather hear Baron and Luthien again. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, See, you did listen. Baron and Luthien is a great tale, right? Yeah, Yeah, that that was beautiful. That was a really good one. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, he likes to end things on a sad note. Yeah. That's kind of his thing. The Children of Huron, yeah, is the saddest, like, it's Frankenstein and Children of Huron are the two saddest fucking books I've ever read. Anyway, so let's move on. Let's get to Trevor's Tribulations, the questions, the meat and potatoes. This is a Midwestern show. Meat and potatoes of the of the show here yeah so uh first i think uh, trevor wanted to establish a safe word yeah so anytime i've ever had a conversation with you guys about tolkien you tend to ramble so just in case <laughs> uh i'm employing the use of the word baggins to make you slow down or stop okay can you say it like Gollum when you do say it like what like Gollum? like Gollum. Baggins. <laughs> okay okay not required. fair enough fair <laughs> enough not required <laughs> all right trevor tribulations begin okay now. trevor's tribulations okay so the the first thing i kind of wanted to know i don't know why but i want to know so does religion exist in the tolkien universe and if it does what impact does it have on the the characters 
living in it. Okay, so this is a multi-part answer. Yeah, I I don't know. So in Tolkien, they don't have many traditional religions in the Legendarium. I guess when I think right. of a traditional religion, I think of like uh, a group of people, yeah. yeah, ritualistically worshiping and sacrificing to like a god or, or multiple gods or something. Mm-hmm. You know, so there there isn't a whole lot of that explicitly. In the legendary, but there is there's some. Yeah, a little bit. I think if there were more, since it is Tolkien, if it were more of a thing, we would know more about it. Yeah, you know, he would have wrote about it. So I don't think they're big on like organized um, religion, but they do have uh, devotions. The yeah, one there are them, there are deities and stuff. Yeah. So one of the examples of devotion um, to Ilavatar, the one god, is the the Mental Tarma in Numenor. It's the highest point in the world, and it's the only known shrine to Ilavatar. Yeah, yeah there's an actual altar there, and people who go there to actually worship. Uh, Ilavatar. So that's like mm-hmm. I, I, I guess you could say that that was one of the closest things they had to a religion. Yeah. So they're they're worshiping the creator. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the, I, I would say that's pretty close to a, a traditional religion, but that's right. about as close. But then you get the opposite end of the coin too. You get like a cult. So there's also a worship of Melkor. Oh yeah. So yeah. Melkor isn't like the one god Ilavatar. He was just one of the Ainur that Ilavatar made. But people still worshipped Melkor because they thought that he could do things for them that he couldn't. So like there's examples of uh, people worshipping Melkor, like uh, the fall of Numenor. The Numenorians, yeah. Sauron turned the Numenorians to worshipping Melkor because he was like, he will uh, re- he'll release you from death, which he couldn't Can't do. do. But yeah. Lie. Numenor is one of my one of my favorite stories for sure. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Wait till you get to our Kingdoms of the Dunedain series, do- dude. Those are dope. Good. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm yeah. excited. Oh, but like Danny was saying earlier too, there there are a lot of like devotions. You know, I guess in uh, in like our world terms, the, I compare them to like saints or something. Like yeah, yeah. The way that people like revere saints, there's a lot of devotions in Tolkien. Like for example, the elves they really revere Elbreth. She's yeah. the, she's the Valo who made the stars. Because the they, the they were born under the starlight, yeah. which you remember. Right, and generally people who live near the sea, like elves or men, they they have devotions to uh, Uinen or uh, Ase. Or Ase, yeah, yeah the, the the Maya of of the waters. And the dwarves, man, they're all about Aule. They're all about Aule because he straight up created them. Um, but in general, there's uh, I'd say there's more of a paganistic theme running through the uh, religions rather than a Christian one, which we've discussed before. Yeah. Um, specifically, so, very pagan. Yeah, very pagan, which is why I don't understand about the Christian allegory thing. But so it's not so there's not like organized religion and it's not even just like that these different um, like I guess races or whatever are mindlessly worshiping something with their hopes to never be answered like these are actual beings that they know for sure exist so it's less yeah. it's less like worship and more like respect yeah 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 I guess that's another big difference I could draw between our world and theirs in this world God the gods are real <laughs> <laughs> they're in this they're tangible in this world they, yeah they are very tangible there are some that are actually physically manifested yeah. like on earth like, you can like talk to people who've talked to you them. can talk to the yeah. vala yeah you can talk to galadriel she knows them all i know a guy who knows a guy who knows iluvatar right? yeah <laughs> yeah man he talked to him on the mental tarma one time it's fucking <laughs> it was crazy fucking crazy man yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah devotions and respect more than worship and religion yeah more than more so than organized religion yeah okay all right well that was that was a learning for me uh okay next question Next yeah. question. Next question. Okay, so considering the multitude of races or types of beings, because I feel like there's more than I can name, I know that some of them are like immortal, others die, 
So what does what does death mean for the ones that do die? And for the immortal beings, is it like they are actually immortal, like they can never cease to exist, or can they actually like be I don't know banished from existence? Sure. Yeah. So that, I like the way you phrased the end of that question. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. So yeah, it really depends on yeah the the race, like you said. It's it's um it's per race. So let's talk about the first one being the uh, the first ones we hear about, the Ainur, the angelic ones, right? Yeah, so they're the ones that we get that are um, immortal. They're like spirit beings. Before the physical world was created, God, the god Eru created them first. So they're like angelic beings. Sure. The, the Maiar and the Valar, right? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And when they descend down to Earth, yeah, they, they, they're either Maiar or Valar, which uh, no Valar have ever been killed, but uh, many Maiar have been slain. And they, um, their spirits linger. What's the difference between the two then? Just uh, mightiness, essentially. Essentially. Which came first? The well, they all came down at the same time, but the the strongest and the best of them are called the Valar. Yeah. So before the physical world was created, they were all just called Ainur. They're just bodiless spirits. Which means the angelic ones. The angelic ones. And then when uh, the, the God world. made the physical world, some of them decided to go into that, so they had to become physical. And then some of them became greater, had greater roles and responsibilities, and some of them were more or less like interns. Yeah, we call Maiars like they're interns. They're interns. They're interns to the Valar. But mm. so both the Maiar and the Valar were created by Iluvatar. Yeah, yeah. They're both right like on. spiritual, just magical separately. beings. Just yeah, separate. Okay. One's a little lesser. Mm-hmm. But they have the same type of powers. Like if one were, if you were destroyed, like uh, for instance, uh, at the end of the Third Age, when the the Baradur goes down and uh, Sauron is vanquished, um, you still see his spirit rise up and become a cloud of malice, like a, like a fart in the wind. Yeah, and then just kind of blows away, and nobody ever hears from it again. Goes out east. See ya. Well, that we know of. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So he exactly. still exists. Yeah. So there, yeah. there is some immortality. In Tolkien. Yeah. The same thing happens with Saruman when they slit his throat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So would they just become like a ghost to roam the land? Sort of less. Yeah. They sort of get into that with the uh, Barrow Downs. They say the Barrow Downs may have been something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. The what? So in Barrow the Barrow Downs, uh, in the it's in the book. In the Fellowship of the Ring, when at the very beginning, when the hobbits get like taken by like Barrow spirits, like back in the Shire. Like where they're just getting out of the Shire, they, they get kidnapped by angry ghosts. They get kidnapped by angry ghosts, basically. <clears throat> yeah, they they assume that their origins could be similar to like what we're talking about. That's now. where they get their swords, though, son. Ching. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, let, let's call Baggins on this and move on to elves. Alrighty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so elves, elves are more or less bound to the earth itself. They're more part of the planet than living on the planet. So uh, their spirit, which is called Fea, when they are slain or they give up the will to live, which they can do, their Fea travels back. To, uh, to the Halls of Mandos. Yeah, which is a physical place in Valinor. So they're still on the planet, but their their spirits are just contained within the Halls of Mandos until they, and they just wait in the Halls of Mandos until the end times when everyone comes back. Or if you're lucky, you could possibly get reincarnated before then. It's just kind of, you know, whatever happens first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, Ek- was it, Ek- no, Ecthelion wasn't... Uh, Glorfindel. Glorfindel was reincarnated. Yes. Mm-hmm. So who makes that decision? The I Valar. Think, I think the Any Valar? Valar? I don't know. I think know. they probably all have to agree. It's pretty democratic. <laughs> they take a vote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have like a council, which is cool. The Ring of Doom, they call it. This elf was cool enough. Let's send him back. Yeah. yeah. So well, elves yeah. are technically considered immortal because they would actually go on to continue to live forever if you just let them. They get a little weaker as they get older, but they would live. But they also can be slain. So it's like they are immortal because their bodies would continue to live for an insane amount of time. But you can kill them. But they could 
still be slain like in battle or by mm-hmm. grief, they say. Yeah. So do they share the same fate as, say, Sauron did at the end? No. No, yeah. They, they specifically go back to the house of the Hells of Mandos. The Maiar, they just kind of roam. Yeah, I'm not really sure what, happens, sure to the what happens to them. Yeah. That's a good question. When they're separated from their bodies. They just kind of, from what I understand, they just kind of hang around. Because they, they can't um, have physical form anymore. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of, they're a spirit of malice. So as for immortals, we've got men... Which uh, hobbits also are an offshoot of men. Immortals. You mean mortals. mortals. Or I'm sorry. As, uh, yeah, as far as mortals now. <laughs> yeah. Mortals now. We're talking men. We're talking dwarves. We're talking hobbits. Yeah. So nobody knows what happens to men when they die. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be Ilavatar's gift. So like the elves are bound to the earth. So even after they die, their souls are still stuck on earth. Mm-hmm. And one day they'll come back and they'll do more earthly bound things. They're just constantly bound to the earth. Mm-hmm. But men, when they die... Their, you know, their soul leaves and nobody knows. They go it's supposed to be a secret gift. Yeah. Nobody knows where they go or what happens, but they cease to exist. Yeah. What a gift. Yeah. The only we 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 kind of uh we kind of said that they possibly might hang out in the halls of Mandos for a second because remember that's where Baron was for like judgment carrying. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Because Baron, remember in the story of Baron and Luthen, when he died, he went to the halls of Mandos mm-hmm. for a short while. For a short while. So maybe they hang out there for a little bit and then they get sent off to God knows where. Well, he was um, halls. Who the yeah. knows? Baron was brought back to life. Yeah. 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 He was. Mm-hmm. One of the few instances of that happening, but that's not reincarnation, right? He just like was given his body back, or I mean, it's technically reincarnation because his body was rein- all fucked up. Yeah, yeah. it is technically reincarnation. Yeah, I know he had his hand bitten is off, it, and is it like Pet Cemetery where they come back all f- oh, fucked up, like <laughs> <laughs> a Baron just like a zombie? Yeah, he's got like pieces of his chest missing because Karkaroth like totally tore yeah, him he up. Tore right? open his chest with his mouth. Yeah, yeah, he's just walking around. Excuse me, sorry. <laughs> Oh, but let's touch on the dwarves, because... Oh, yeah, they have a special... As you know, I love the dwarves. The dwarves, they have their own special fate. So the dwarves are interesting because they weren't created by Ilavatar, you know, like... uh elves and men they were created by owl just kind of on the sly on the sly on the download so like where do they fit into all this shit so after they die they personally believe that owl actually built his own halls for them set apart somewhere and then after the end times when you know all the elves and everyone gets their bodies back there will be a final battle and after the final battle the dwarves think that's when they come out of their halls and then they rebuild the world into a new world okay so i have questions yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right on. Okay. I just okay. I just love that story. That's great. <laughs> so first question, uh sure. for, for the dwarves bit and Aule. Aule's a, a Valar? Yes. Yes. Okay. The so Smith Valar. So all right, so but hold on. So the the, the Maiar and the Valar were created by Iluvatar. Yep. Yes. And he also created Valinor, right? Yep. In the Halls of Mandos. Mm-hmm. So then just Well technically the Valar did that. Oh yeah. The Valar yeah. shaped the physical world, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, okay. So, all right, never mind. Then that makes sense. I was gonna say, <laughs> like, how question. can, how can, <laughs> how can Iluvatar make this, and then his subject beings can also be creating? Yeah, the no. Valar are very powerful. That's why they're practically like gods themselves. Yeah, they're like demigods of a sort. Yeah, they're okay. S- they call them the lords, lords of the west. Yeah. So this would kind of make dwarves kind of a cross between elves and men, then, right? Yeah, they because were, they were actually because yeah. they, they could die of old age, but if when they die, they just go to these other halls. Well, exactly, they, they live for yeah. fucking ever. Yeah, well, not actually, so they though. were so dwarves were actually a guess at what elves and men were supposed to be because uh, Auli the Valar, when he made them, uh, elves and men weren't a thing yet, but they knew about them. The Valar knew that elves and men were coming eventually. 
but he was impatient. He like, I want to have people that will follow me and, and will learn stuff from me and I can teach them things. So he created the dwarves, but since he's not, you know, the one god who like creates life and everything, he couldn't give the dwarves life. So he made these like these anatomic beings that didn't really have their own consciousness, but then he got found out. And so the one god came down and was like, why are you disobeying me and making things that you're not supposed to make? And he's like, I'm sorry. And then there's a whole, oh, what's that story from the Bible? Abraham and Isaac. There's an Abraham and Isaac thing where he's like going to strike down his dwarves just to like show how sorry he is. But then at the last second, God's like, no. I stop you and I save your dwarves and I give them their own lives. It's a crazy story. Well, it's very kind of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll hear all about that in one of the best episodes Joel's ever written, the two-part dwarves episode. Oh, I let yeah. him do it. I let oh, him do a course. dwarves episode. <laughs> of course, Joel has a dwarves episode. <laughs> I let him do Thanks, it. Thanks, guys. He's indulged me in certain episodes, too, so I, I'm like, yeah. I like fucking um, that episode that nobody likes, uh, Eldarian the Mariner. <laughs> oh, God. I love Eldarian. I do, too. It's a great story, but it's, it's, a wonderful it's not story. a popular episode. It's one of the few stories you get about like the culture culture of new yeah, world, yeah. Which is cool go back and listen to that it took me a long time to write that episode okay yeah right, guys. i think we're baggins and up are we baggins in well i got one more question okay and okay then, okay so um this is still with the halls thing okay because i know all right so i know at the end of the lord of the rings you know i've seen the movies and whatnot mm-hmm. they all get on a boat and they're going to valinor yeah sure right that's but, but i mean that's like humans and whatnot i know normally they're not supposed to go over right right special um, case. Right. it's a special case but so if the elves are slain their Feya goes to the Halls of Mandos. Mm-hmm. When they cross the sea, though, they're going to Valinor, where those halls are anyway. Mm-hmm. What happens then? Like, what's the difference? You just live there, man. It's like a regular-ass place. It's it's like the best place ever. The Halls of Mandos is basically like an isolated little part of Valinor. Yeah, Valinor is basically like heaven on earth or like Garden of Eden type stuff. So like if you're like going there on a boat to live there, you're going with your body to go like physically live your life out like in heaven on earth. It's fucking great. And if you die, your spirit just kind of goes to the halls of Mandos, which is like a building yeah. there, but it's a you're shorter kinda, journey. You're, you're restricted to the building. I'm pretty. I don't think they yeah. let their spirits go wandering around. Valinor. It's a prison. It's a prison until the end times. Till you're reincarnated for the final battle. That's right. Okay. Well, yeah, that's all. Let's go to the next one. Yes. Sure. Okay, so we've been talking about different races with their their deaths and whatnot. How many races are there, and are they related? I know the you know the dwarves were created separately, but yeah, there is some relation between the races. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So let's 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 break it down, man. There's three main types of races. The first one uh, are the elves, and their umbrella term is Quendi. Which uh, is a word that means those who speak with voices. Make sure you write that down. Write that down. Uh, they have many, many subdivisions, which uh, you learned all about in episode six, The Sundering of the Elves. Which, uh, yeah, just basically go back and listen to that episode. It'll explain Yeah, it. that'll break down all the... There's so many subdivisions of elves, it's crazy. All right, race number two. The dwarves, yeah. Their uh, Cinderin name is the Nalgrim, which is the stunted folk and uh, they're kind of subdivided into the descendants of the seven fathers of the dwarves so when the dwarves were initially made i only made seven of them they're the seven fathers so each of those fathers goes on to kind of make their own line we're most familiar with uh durin's folk they're the long beards there's also like the stone foots and the fire beards the fire beards and yeah. uh oh yeah there's a whole bunch of other bunch plants. of weird dwarves out are, there are these just names because for the sake of it or do they actually have it's some... like the name of their clan i think the fire beards are legitimate like redheads yeah and uh, i don't know the iron foots maybe they're heavy-footed people <laughs> I, don't I don't know i don't know anyway we only really <laughs> I, th- hear I think there from... is some name be- something behind some of the names but otherwise i don't know yeah we only really hear from durin's folk because oh. they're, they're the mm-hmm. most friendly with the eldar and most of the stories come from the eldar so mm-hmm. i know the elves had differences based on like some decisions that they made and events that happened and oh yeah you know the ones that actually went over to to see the light of the trees 
Mm-hmm. What is it? The Caliquendi? Oh my god. God. God, I love you, Trevor. <laughs> Nobody remembers that shit. Yeah, the Caliquendi, the Elves of the Light, dog. Okay. That's Nailed beautiful. It. We're proud of you. Thanks. <laughs> um, so there's also the race of men, and their sender name is the Atani, which is the second people, or those who come after because they came after the elves. Mm-hmm. Who technically came after the dwarves. Yeah, but, but let's let's yeah. not get into that. So yeah, what's it should be the third people, but I mean, I don't know, who, no, who's who's Wait, keeping track? Who's does you? this does this mean the dwarves aren't considered people? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know how they figure that. <laughs> not in the eyes of Ilovatar, they're Technically not. the dwarves came first, but the <laughs> men, we're talking about men. So men are basically subdivided into uh the, the well, Dane. See, the, let's let's we got I'm sorry, we got to go back. The oh, dwarves no. were put to sleep and then the elves woke up and then the dwarves were remember? Yeah, so, so they, they were, were created first but not awoken first. Awoken first. Mm. They, mm. they had to wait for consciousness. They I had guess, to wait. Yeah. No, cuz Ilovatar was like you got to wait for my kids or at least the firstborn. You got to yeah, wait for the firstborn. Exactly. So he's like so you have to put these to sleep underground places. No stealing my thunder is basically what he said. Mine shall inherit the earth first. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Oh, but men. So men are basically subdivided into the Adain. They're kind of like the honorable men. They have three no well-known houses that we could talk about, but we're going to kind of let that be. And then there's everyone else, basically. Mm-hmm. And I think that just more or less means middlemen, evil men. Well, mostly, so it, it would be, uh, Adain would be the, the houses that say faithful to the Eldar. Mm-hmm. The ones who are friendly to the Eldar and everybody else. And, then, and, okay, and then most people are everybody else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Edain, well, does that have anything to do with Dunedain? Yes. Uh, yes. So Edain is the word for man and Dunedain means man of the West. Mm. Dune is West. I was expecting more from that. No. No, it's just yeah, it's pretty simple. It is also it is also <laughs> the uh it is also the name of a of a people, the Dunedain folk. And uh if you want to learn more about the Dunedain and the kingdoms of man, refer back to our kingdoms of the Dunedain. One, uh, two, and three. Yeah, that's episode twenty two, twenty three, and twenty four. Some of the greatest episodes ever made. Yeah, we kind of break down the Adane where they went. We don't really break down the everyone else, but uh, no, maybe one day. Maybe one day. Okay, so elves, dwarves, and men. Yeah, mm-hmm. those are the three main races, and there's some subspecies that actually. I, well, I don't know. Subspecies sounds like a bad word. So I mean, I you s- you say main races? Is that just because they are most populated? Because they came first. Yeah. So there were other species that morphed from them. For example, so let's, yeah, let's just get into what they are, and then people, you know, we'll know what we mean by well, yeah. subspecies. Because so, yeah. so, Melkor made like the elves and warped them into something else, right? Yeah, right. So, yeah, because like we got into when we do, when we were talking about the dwarves earlier, when Ali made the dwarves, he made them, but they didn't have life. Same thing, Melkor can't give life either, so he can't just create a race of people. He had to take a race of people that already exist and fuck them up, like Good. elves, yeah. and then torture them and mutate them into orcs so he can't create life so he takes life and he mut- mutilates and, and the, the fu- word that came turns up it into something else eugenics yeah. the word that came up earlier was perversion perversion, perversion? Yeah. yeah it's a perversion of so so technically yeah he's the biggest pervert out there he is a pervert yeah he perverted multiple races like mm-hmm. so orcs they mutated from elves through torture trolls they were mutations of ants through horrible means of torture what? yeah yeah he, he turned tree people into yep. trolls yeah yes. Treebeard talks about that 
Okay. Treebeard talks about everything. <laughs> but Treebeard mentions that he says uh, he's he's explaining how strong ants are to 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 Pippin and Mary, and he's like, you know how tr- strong trolls are, right? And they're like, well, yeah, we've fucked with these trolls before, <laughs> and they're like, they're a mere counterfeit of uh of True. ants, yeah, yeah. So ants are like way more powerful than trolls. Well, they get the original. They yeah. can tear stone in half, like they did that at, at Isengard. Yeah, they have like the power of roots or something. Yeah. They can like grab onto any stone and like tear it apart. It's crazy. That's a strong piece of bark. Yeah, yeah it's they're yeah. they're super cool. Ants are great, man. Don't fuck with the ants. No, <laughs> no. But yeah, he turned them into trolls. But not so. Not all of the other like subspecies are bad. Are bad. They're not all through like mutilation and mutation. For example, hobbits. They actually evolved from men. We don't know exactly yeah. how. We don't they, know exactly when. Hobbits say they're related to the big people, but they forgot how. <laughs> yeah, it was sometime <laughs> in the second age when they really came around. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're called the younger children of Illavatar because they they say sh- uh, share the same. As men, so Middle Earth has evolution. Yeah, in like, a sense, like officially, in a sense, yeah, totally. That's a really quick period to have evolution for, though, time-wise, right? And if you go check out our episode on the Hobbits, episode thirty-six, we actually get into how the Hobbits themselves even evolved differently from each other. Yeah. So I'm There's, curious, yeah. though, what age did the Hobbits become? I think it was the early second age, mid second age. It was sometime in the second age. It was around the same time that Elendil and company show up. Okay. Because so, as, as we, yeah, as we know, they lived under the they they pledged fealty to the king of Arnor. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so to wrap up the whole races question and who's related to who, there's so there's a handful of there's the three main races and then there's other subspecies that come from those races. But then it's it's hard to really categorize everything because there are some just like magical sentient beings like yes. Huan, the sentient hound of Valinor, and then yeah. there's sentient eagles that you know the eagles of Manway. Birds, you mean? yeah, and there's sentient uh, trees. Not trees? even ants. There's like trees, like Old Man Willow, and then just, dragons. Like what yeah. are, are dragons? Just giant perverted lizards? Yeah, though, because they can speak. They don't even say how. I assume it's sort of like a telepathic thing. Yeah. But Dra- uh, dragons are all evil, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or neutral, like Smog. Mm. He wasn't really neutral. He liked to kill people but he was, like, a dick. he was neutral in the ways of like sauron taking over because that was one of the reasons this might be magazine i'm sorry but but uh that was one of the reasons why gandalf wanted to take out the dragon because if he allied with sauron it would have been bad news bears for everybody right all right I, I, okay so i get that the you know the orcs and the trolls are mutated from creatures already existing sure. so does this mean that like dragons and um maybe some other creatures were legitimately created they no they're all perversions they would have to be a perversion of something potentially i don't know what so that's why i said that's what i meant by are they perverted lizards because like a lizard would be a benign reptile to create right but then you take that lizard and you make it evil and yeah they don't really say exactly where he bred them somehow it took him a long time too yeah to do so so you just fill him with his fea he does do that yeah. sometimes yeah. yeah that's how melkor actually eventually loses more of his fea more of his power which makes him weak as fuck but is that how he would pervert these creatures right so the more perverting he does the less power he has yeah, yeah i think when you're doing a perversion on that kind of scale like you're mutating elves into orcs i think that i think that would take a toll on some of his oh fame. yeah totally. Um, but this yeah. is i mean this is just you know fan talking right i can't say yeah. for sure okay 
Fair enough. But yeah, there's also Halloween type creatures, werewolves and vampires too. Yeah, there's uh, there's an insane amount of creatures. Insane so. amount of sentient creatures. Are there succubi? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't there's think not so. a whole lot of sex mentioned in the, the Tolkien, <laughs> so I don't think succubi would be a thing. Well, you said you said werewolves and vampires. I figured it'd be right down that lane. I don't know. We we always call them the Halloween style creatures whenever we refer to them because it's like werewolves, vampires, fucking Babadook. Babadook. Okay. Anything else you guys would like to add about these? No. No, no, we're, we're good. Are you satisfied? Yeah, I don't have further questions. Okay, no further <laughs> questions, Your no Honor. No further questions. Well, about this. Let's go on to the next question. Okay, sure. Yeah, Let's next go question. on to the next question. Okay, so considering that... I feel like I've said okay so before every question. Con- <laughs> considering that Middle-earth is a, an Earth-like setting, you know, I would expect it to share some similarities to, say, our real world, right? Uh, so if the races in Middle-earth, with time given, uh, became advanced enough to leave the planet, what would they find? And could they go into, like, another place? See, this is one of those questions <laughs> I fucking love when you ask questions like this. Because this is yeah. great. Because this is also a very complicated answer. <laughs> yeah, but I, f- I love, it's I a love great the question. shit. Yeah, the it's geography a... stuff is great, because that's yeah. another thing that Tolkien loved was the geography. Mm-hmm. So it would depend on what time period they left the planet, depending on what it would look like. Well, yeah. let, let, let's go with, because time would be needed to get it sufficiently technologically advanced. Sure. Let's say, you know, beyond the third age after Sauron. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, you would uh, you would travel up and you'd leave, uh, you'd be in uh, the atmosphere, the upper atmosphere, I guess you could <laughs> call it. And there would be a lot of stars and shit like that. And then you'd, uh, you'd go further and you'd find the Timeless Halls, which is where like Ilvatar and other Ainur live, right? Yeah. I, wait, I, wait, wait, wait. Timeless Halls? Mm. So you, you leave the air and you enter a hallway? Well, I mean, there's a lot of space in between, I'm assuming, Trevor. This is like cosmic level shit. It's not like right down the street, you know what I mean? Like, well, I'm, I'm just trying to build the picture <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's start with, so the general structure of the world, like when it was created, it was literally created as like a, you know, it was a flat world with a dome sky. Yeah. And there yeah. wasn't really anything above that other than like some stars. So it's like a snow globe. Yeah. Like a, half yeah, of yeah literally like, a like snow half globe. a snow globe. Yeah, like a snow globe. And so if you let, la- and that doesn't really change over time, the, the, a couple of the continents change, the geography changes. But then at one point, the world actually does go from flat to round. That is a significant ev- uh, event in the second age. That sounds like it would have been quite destructive. Yeah, that was the doing yeah. of Ilavatar himself. That was uh, that was when the Numenorians pissed him off. He was finally like, nope, sinks Numenor, makes the world round so that you can't get to Valinor anymore. You just circle back around and get back to Middle-earth. Valinor was like taken away and put uh, along the straight path or something the like that. The straight road. The straight yeah. road. Only elves and people who know it can sail the straight road to get to Valinor. Otherwise, you just circle the globe. Yeah. Wait, that... That's weird. Yeah, That's isn't weird. that nuts? Yeah, yeah, isn't weird. that nuts? Very weird. So is it like they go through a portal to get to Valinor now? More or less, yeah, yeah I guess. Yeah. Or something like it? Okay. So, so yeah, there's like a- if you left the atmosphere, I imagine you'd just get to stars? Stars, and, yeah. And then the vo- and then the timeless halls, because that's, that's out there. Then you have the door of night, which is guarding Aya from the void. Aya being the universe from the void, right? What void? The void would be nothingness. Yeah, just absolute nothingness, like empty space. Oh, so the void is space, but more yeah. or less. You could think yeah, about yeah, it that uh, way. Yeah. Yeah. But who's out there? Melkor is out there, and you know who's up there? Also, you get to talk to a pretty cool guy named Arendil. Is the hold on, hold on? There's a is that the the elf dude? He's uh yeah the elf the he's elf, elf he's man. Like, man. He's like the king of elves. Or the original King of Elves? No. no. Who, who am I thinking of? You're thinking of Fenway? I might be thinking of Fenway, but maybe yeah. in the wrong context. Yeah. Well, he is a. Uh, uh, you'll get there, Trevor. Well, no, because. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. What's his name? I've never. Eorendil a- a- is an Elfman hybrid. 
Yeah, he's a hybrid. No, but there's the one. He's sort of the savior at the end of the first age. Okay, who who's the Elven, the the most popular Elven Lord of the Rings? His name is evading me. Elrond. Elrond. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So can't Elrond like look up to the stars, and one of the stars is his father? Yeah, that's yeah, Elrondil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. are we saying that he's also up in this void? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yes. You get to talk to that guy. Okay. Yes. Yeah. He's in a magic <laughs> floating ship up there. All right. Yeah, Th- he thought keep, complete. I figured it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He keeps a watch on the void to to make sure Melkor is not Melkor's trying to get back. Not making no mischief up there. So yeah, th- but the world does change, and uh, two s- significant changes happen. One is at the end of the first age, uh, as a result of the War of Wrath, and that's when an entire continent known as Beleriand is destroyed. Like like Kaboom or sink under like Lenuminor. Well, uh, we got a, uh, we found a little excerpt Delete. to uh, to to read about that. Yeah, we couldn't help it. The, the excerpts about the changing <laughs> of the world is always so epic. Yeah. For so great was the fury of those adversaries that the northern regions of the western world were rent asunder and the seas roared in through many chasms and there was confusion and great noise and rivers perished or found new paths and the valleys were upheaved and the hill trod down and Syrian was no more. Yeah, so the the war was so fierce. We just looked it up the other day. It was 42 years long. Yeah, it literally destroyed the land and sunk it under the sea. Okay, so it was like a, a Numenor-style yeah, destruction. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, big big time. Yeah, it, big it's time like a massive earthquake, and then the water rushed in, and everything collapsed. There's cool, if you look them up on the internet, you can look at like a third age map and what it would look like if all that land hadn't sunk. It's, it's really cool, cool seeing the comparison, yeah. I feel so, like you've showed me this before. Yeah, I'm pr- <laughs> pretty sure I have. So in the other time was uh, in the middle of the Second Age with the sinking of Numenor, which we just you just mentioned, uh, and this is when the world is rounded, which we talked about uh, a second ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's a little excerpt from that. And all of the coasts and seaward regions of the Western world suffered great change and ruin in that time, for the seas invaded the lands and the shores foundered, and the ancient isles were uplifted, and hills crumbled, and rivers were turned to strange courses. Yeah, some crazy shit. Like, I can only imagine, like, this kind of huge, massive, cataclysmic type shit happening. Really, it would cause a huge tsunami and probably wipe out all of Middle-earth. Mm-hmm. It'd be crazy. I mean, if rounding the world didn't do that <laughs> already. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that had to have been a crazy event. It's, like it's cool because there are actual stories from the first age when the world is flat where, like, you'd be able to see a fire on another continent from like across an ocean or something because the world is literally flat. So you can just look across and like see if there's a bright light over there. It's kind of cool. Hmm. Okay. So I want to, I want to wrap my thought up here. Yes, so yes. Just so I understand this void thing. Sure. Uh, so right. If they, so they, they go into the atmosphere, they leave the atmosphere. Uh, they're in the void, but you said like when they were in the atmosphere, they saw stars. So in the void, do they still see stars? No. I assume that the stars are before the void. Yeah. 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 I assume the stars the are before the timeless halls as well. Yes, yeah, I would assume that. As I well. assume the stars are actually like in the outer atmosphere, which sounds strange. Sounds strange. I think that's where they would be, like and the edge of the dome. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I don't think the they're like bur- actual like burning balls of gas the size of planets no. like they are in reality. I think they're actually just like glowing shit. So, so they're like orbs in the sky. Like literally, you would fly up and just go past them. I think so. And then you'd be okay. I would say so as well. So you'd be in this void. This empty blackness, right? Um, you said the the halls are there. So is that just like um, like you could be hanging out, just like floating there, and you got the halls to your left, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and you've got all this void around it, 
and like you might see all these other people just flying around you know like it's hard to Melkor is somewhere and it's hard to explain because the halls the timeless halls are not in the physical world yeah that's why they're, they're called they're merely the, mentioned that's yeah. why they're called the timeless halls because we like, also know they're not in the void yeah because it's like a spirit realm it was before the existence of time or physical matter so they were a thing i don't know if anyone who experiences things as we do in three dimensions like this would be able to just fly out and all of a sudden experience the timeless halls i feel like that wouldn't work so considering that time is the fourth dimension this would be like the fifth dimension i guess maybe yeah well some kind of higher dimension or or that would rather that would that would imply that it is also part of this i guess world that exists so it could be a totally parallel universe in itself maybe yeah dude i think you're cracking this wide open think you're killing it <laughs> <It's> Tol- <laughs> tolkienering at its <laughs> finest here's the thing it's like that that really decreases the the size of the universe for me for tolkien though it's like you have this it's one what it's not detailed enough for you well you just have this one petri dish <laughs> of existence and like what it, it's what true it, but what that it, petri dish is so incredibly detailed well, yeah, yeah there's there's a lot in it but I mean, the you petri could say, dish is enough for me, Trevor. You could say the United States is its own petri dish, but there's the rest of oh, the world. It is quite a petri also dish. Just <laughs> one man creating all the like writing this down and creating all these stories. So it's impressive, even considering. Yeah, Trevor, could you do better? I'm not saying I could do better. <laughs> I just feel like it, it feels constrained, and I, I kind of was expecting like more. This is fantasy, not sci-fi, dog. I suppose I could do my own fan fiction about this. Yeah, do this your own damn fan fiction. Make a universe that Tolkien can expand into. Yeah, bring it, it into the sci-fi. Make it sexy, too. People like sexy fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, next question? Yeah, let's move on. Right on. Okay, so considering that uh, Lord of the Rings is is pretty like low magic uh, sure. for fantasy... Uh, you know, like there's not just like wizards throwing fireballs and shit everywhere. And I guess maybe this will compare to Tolkien's compared to the early Tolkien. There was probably lots of magic because you know everything was being created. How does magic actually play a role in the story? Like, what does it what does it do? What's its purpose? Okay. And why don't we see more of it in like the Lord of the Rings? So there's kind of it's kind of a simple answer, but kind of not. So there, I would call it two different. So let's <clears throat> there's two different types of. So you're talking about magic use in general, and then like so let's start. Let's talk about personal use of magic, right? So um. Like we were talking about earlier, Melkor uses his uh, Feya to corrupt things, right? People, regular ass people do that too. Regular, regular, regular ass magicians do that as well. I mean like a human could do that? Like um, man? I guess there is examples of like black magic going on, but no real like sorcerers among humans. Well, if Melkor is using his Feya, I'm under the impression that men can't do that. I'm kind of under that impression too, but it's not clearly stated. So I'm under the impression. <laughs> okay, what's your impression? <laughs> that not all magic requires the use of Feya. Okay. Like it seems like any time when it's mentioned that Feya is used, like uh, when Melkor is creating things, he's constantly like sending his Feya into other living creatures or something to sure. give them power and stuff like that. Like that that makes sense to me. So he gradually becomes weaker as he's constantly using his Feya to strengthen his armies and stuff. But then there's like other instances of people just doing like random like deceitful spells like elves will do the concealment spells so that they look like orcs or something for a while and that doesn't seem like that uses up their feya. I think it does it's just not very much. Or like the Sauron. It's like an erosion. Uh, it's an erosion right? What D&D remember the daily spells that you can use over and over again? Yeah. Oh. 
It's uh, an erosion. Okay. All right. I could I could get with could that. Could you get with that? I, yeah, I think <laughs> so I could I think I could get behind that. You're you're comparing <laughs> what sounds like creation magic versus manipulation though. So yeah, I like think, yeah. Like that, in Skyrim terms it would be uh illusion versus uh what would creation magic be? Conjuration. I suppose conjuring. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think you yeah, I think that's definitely getting right at what I'm talking about. But yeah, so there there are some examples of people actually like losing the ability to use some magic because they're putting so much of their spirit out Into like eventually project, yeah, yeah eventually sauron can't change form anymore he's like stuck in his, yep, dark, yep, lord yep, form. Stuck in his dark lord form i think the same thing happens to melkor Mm-hmm. After a while, too, and also like uh, Yavanna couldn't recreate the trees because she used so much of her power. Like she could not do that again. Yeah, yeah. There was those instances where uh, even like the immortals admit that there's some things that only people can only create once. Right, like, like the, like the Silmarils trees and the Silmarils. Yeah. Silmarils. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe Feanor used his Feia to create the Silmarils. Who That's knows? true. He had a shit ton of Feia. Yeah, he had a, a an overabundance. <laughs> but in relation to like. You, so the question you asked about specifically in the Lord of the Rings story is pretty low magic. The simple answer actually is what I think we were talking about earlier. Uh, you asked a friend of ours her opinion on that. Yeah, um, uh, our, our friend Olga who runs uh, the Middle Earth Reflex- Reflections blog. And uh, yeah, follow her on Twitter, at Melody Muse. She's a really cool Russian gal, speaks 100% great English, beautiful English. <laughs> and uh, she, so I asked her about this and she said pretty much, it's because there's less practitioners of magic around because the age in the, the 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 story swings from the ages of the immortal into the ages of men so in the third age we find ourselves in the age of men so there's not that many elves around and they're not doing shit not so, many magic practitioners yeah so, so like, we do see magic, like Galadriel does magic, Gandalf does magic, but it's not fucking everybody like in the first age. Oh, no, mm-hmm. they have like poem battles too. Yeah, sing-song like, battles. Sing-song battles, yeah, yeah. There's a lot more like fantasy fairy tale stuff earlier on when there's more oh. elves and more magic. Speaking of which, Olga did a, an amazing uh, 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 thing about, a uh, blog post about the power of song in Tolkien. You should check it out. It's very Yeah, great. that is also, that, yeah, that's another one of her posts that we've referenced in the past. It's yeah. really cool. So could men practice magic if taught by elves i think so because i think they mentioned some necromancers here yeah and there's there. there's necromancers and there's like black magic cults so yeah they they can do some magic so where do they get the uh i, I guess like the fuel to perform magic from i would assume that would probably come from their own feo right yeah maybe you just uh, unless they're like away. summoning the power from somewhere else but i don't know how that would work i guess in well, tolkien w- would it not be limited though like they could only practice it for so long before they are out or does your feo like restore itself <laughs> no it does not it's 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 you're you're installed with it yeah so your feo yeah that you're, you more or less begin with it, and it's a set thing. And if you, as you give it out, it doesn't like regenerate or anything. That's why people lost their ability, like Sauron and Melkor, lost take, their ability yeah, to take form. different forms because mm-hmm. they were losing power. Okay, and they so, can't get that back. So on that note, then uh, we could assume that men could easily use magic in the form of an artifact, say the One Ring. Ah, yes. Oh yeah, if the magic oh, yeah. is drawn from somebody else's Feya or like a magic item, yeah, definitely, absolutely, yeah, for sure. So yeah. Aragorn's sword uh, glows with the sun and the moon, like it's a magic fucking blade. Okay, even that magic would most likely be consumed over time, though, when performing it. The um, magic that's like in a physical item. Well, yeah, like you know, because uh, the it the, seems to not. I feel diminish. like that would just be. I feel like that would just be directly associated with the durability of the item. Like if the item broke, maybe the magic spell would go away. But I feel like that's not. Oh, like, and yeah, Narsil. 
feel like it's a video it game. I feel like it wouldn't be a video game where you'd have to yeah. constantly be like recharging your With soul enchanted weapon or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, not like recharging, but like well, because the the one ring makes hobbits invisible. Makes anyone invisible. Makes okay. hobbits and men. Yeah. Makes okay. Makes men invisible. So if somebody just wore it, mm-hmm. you know, it gave them unnaturally long life for a long ass time. Yeah. Would it eventually like wear off? Do you think? What do you mean? Like so would, would like the would the power of the ring wane over time? No, no, because it's it's a set amount. Of, it's an artifact that's locked. The power is locked. Yeah, in. for example, the ring Sauron put a lot of his fey into that as well. M- I yeah, think like, that was like the, way more than he should have. Because that's when it, why yeah. he couldn't change form anymore. Exactly. Is because he put so much of his fey into the one ring that when it was severed from him, he lost the ability to. So that is fixed physical form. So so rather than say it consuming an energy over time, it is more just like a physical property. It works this way. Yeah. That's yeah. what it does. Mm-hmm. I think so. Okay. You really, really get down to the nitty gritty yeah. here. Some of this stuff is also us speculating. Not Spe- yeah, a lot of this is, is speculation, this guys. Is not, this is not all So fact. if you're getting real angry out there, just uh, shoot us a... Yeah, if you disagree with anything we've said so far, please throw it in the comments. Let us know, because at the end of the day, we're really dumb people. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm just joking. Well, I'm thinking of this from like a, a scientific point of like E equals MC squared point of view where you know magic turns into physical property. Yeah, with creation magic, I would say that's a thing. Like there's a... F- or, or well, it's, it's at least the law of conservation of energy. Like energy can can't be just created or destroyed, right? It only shifts forms. I would right. absolutely yeah. agree with that. Yeah. 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 Hmm. And then there's some there's some magic that just pfft, there it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Regions so they come from somewhere. <laughs> okay. Ooh, can I can I say uh, one gripe I kind of had? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I learned about the um, the two lanterns that were made. Yeah. Sure. Right. That yeah, gave light to the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, what how what were they doing before the light existed? And how were they doing Stars. it? Stars. Stars? Starlight. Yeah, Stars star- were particularly starlight. bright. But so yeah. they already had light. They had starlight, yeah. Mm-hmm. But not, not enough? Is that one no. of the lanterns? Not enough for photosynthesis. We argued on that. Yeah, we argued about photosynthesis okay. on, uh, online in the Tolkien Talk group. Because <laughs> I was like, one thing always bothered me is that how did trees grow before there was a sun or moon? Right, yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I kind of had some beef with that. Yeah, I had beef with it too, man. But they st- they stopped growing, though. They So they started growing when the lamps were raised. And then it right. says after Melkor threw the lamps down, things went dormant. Yeah. Until uh, the, the I guess the two up, trees. Yeah. Oh, so lamps were the light before the trees. Well, no, excuse trees, me. Yeah, yeah, that was the light before the two trees. But the two trees didn't light up Middle Earth. The whole world, yeah. They only lighted up Valinor. The Middle Earth was still dark, so they things didn't start growing again until the sun and the moon came around. Yeah. Didn't one of the trees get drained? Both of them did. Both, oh, of, both them, of them yeah. got drained. Okay. I got the life sucked out of Wait, them. Wait. So so hold on. So first we had lanterns that. Oh no. First we had stars that kind of lit the place. Then we had lanterns. Mm-hmm. Correct. That that tried to produce life and then they were extinguished and then we had trees that tried to do the same thing but for Valinor and then they got drained of their magic and then the sun and the moon mm-hmm. how okay where did the sun and the moon come in how did they so the sun and the moon are actually products the last products of the, the two tree. trees so after the two trees were killed they sucked the life out of them Yavanna was able to do a little bit of you know voodoo magic to get one to bear one more fruit and the other to bear like one more flower was it mm-hmm. and so they used and then the trees were dead but they had this like, fruit and this flower like the the maiar take them through the sky though right there's yeah. two different maiar mm-hmm. that that move them through the sky yeah, so They're one became traveling? yeah they put they encase them in something and one became the sun one became the moon and then so there's a maiar guarding each one and it rides through the sky okay so hold on this whole idea of the world needing light seems like a power battle it is because uh there's yes. a theme in tolkien that that what is is better than that which does not exist <laughs> So, like, light is the absence of darkness, right? So, like, therefore, it is good. 
So it's also uh, Melkor and evil things did not like the light. So it was they very much it. a battle of powers. Yeah. Yeah. Light represents pure goodness. And then when Melkor liked to move his armies, he tries him and he and Sauron, they try to blot out the light with like industrial smoke and shit. That's why there's always those plumes of like storm clouds before like orcs come around because they're always trying to shadow themselves. Because they're not very strong in the daytime. That's why Mordor looks like garbage. That's yeah. Why Mordor looks that yeah, way. That's why yeah. Mordor looks like garbage. Okay. Cool beans. Are you next, satisfied? Next question. <laughs> that, yeah. We got pretty detailed there yeah yeah maybe baggins the little but it's fine Ooh, ooh, i do actually do i do have one thing okay so the silmarils were created there's three of them right mm-hmm. three yeah okay what what purpose did they serve they were exactly beautiful. this is a, we actually got this question <laughs> from claire well she, claire what, asked what like she what ask? the point of them was ultimately well she did she more asked it wouldn't it have been better if they didn't exist at all right yeah yeah and i because said like what were ultimately what were they worth what were they doing they didn't really do much of anything and other I than s- be beautiful yeah my 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 thing was that creation of beautiful things is worth it on its own merit you don't have to have a reason why do we create art humans just do it because we do it well, why are we doing this podcast because nobody nobody would listen to us <laughs> in our real lives well the Silmarils weren't like totally without merit they uh burned evil it's sure. true i, I they know had, that part they had some properties they would light yeah, they up were, they were and they would also like absorb the light of other things and give it out brighter and brighter hues of colors yeah but they didn't really serve like a, a greater purpose, right? Because I well, know they, they, it also they had some sort of power to them because when Karkaroth ate them, he became enraged and became this horrible, unstoppable monster because of the power of the Silmarils. It was, it was burning him from the inside. Well, it was I think burning it was him from more, the inside, more, but more bloodlust, yeah, bloodlust. But it made it sound like he got some of the power from the Silmarils. So like some of oh. his rage was leached off of the the power of the Silmarils or something like that. Oh. I, there's I never, a line I somewhere that, yeah. in the Baron Luthien. I'll have to look it up. Okay. Wasn't there some kind of curse associated with the two? Like if you lusted for them, that's well, the yeah the oath and the cur- the oath of Feanor and then the uh, Doom of Mandos. Yeah, like because if you, if you're evil at all, if you've done evil things to obtain the Silmarils, you can't even touch them. Well, if you do bad things, they'll burn you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You yeah, know, I was just curious because they seem like they're all like everybody wants them. They're super great. Yeah. And it's like the Maltese Falcon. Have you ever seen that movie? No. It's uh everybody just wants the goddamn Falcon, and there's no real reason. I mean, it's made out of solid gold, but like every, people kill for it. And it's just like this object that exists for people to fight over it, basically. Well, and, and Morgoth at one point had all three of the Silmarils, right? Sure. Like yeah, in for a, a good, crown? For a good while. For most of the first age. The entirety of the first age, actually. Until Baron and Luthien came along. Oh, that's right. Fair enough. Next question. Okay, so I know we've talked a bit about, you know, like the, the early days things that were created, the warping of the earth itself. Is there, I guess, is there anything that's worth noting in creation that we haven't gone over? And on the other side of the spectrum, what is the uh, prediction for like, is there an apocalypse? Is there just like an like end a, of the world? Like a Ragnarok or is, something? Right, a Ragnarok. Is there a prophecy that is saying like, this is what happens at the end of everything? And when should that be? Okay, well, we got all that answer for you. <laughs> So one of the main things we didn't discuss about creation, uh, merely because it's very complicated, not complicated, it's a long story, and it's called the Ainulindale, which is the means song of the Ainur. Isn't that the thing you wanted to do, like a musical about? Yeah. Yeah, no, because uh, I was, um, my dream is to produce the uh, Silmarillion miniseries for HBO. HBO hit me up. Uh, we're going to do it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I was saying that the first episode would just be uh, all music of the Ainur. That'd be beautiful. Yeah. An hour of it. <laughs> An hour. You don't like it? Don't watch the show. Right. It'll just start off just as slow as Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, dude. Okay, yeah. So the Ainulindale, um, long story short, um, Ilavatar led the Ainur in a song 
the song translates to the entire history of the universe and uh there's three main themes and melkor ruins every single one of them with his own discord right and that creates evil so the song basically predicts the entire creation and end of the world and the valar go down and make it so if if i recall some of this Mel- melkor was like the smartest right he had the most he properties had, of ilavatar right he had the most parts of the mind of ilavatar so it, it kind of sounds to me like uh melkor is similar to the story of adam and eve except he actually has power is like man in this where he has got too much freedom and makes a choice he shouldn't definitely well, i see him more as the satanic uh, yeah, the Lucifer car- figure. The Luciferian. Yeah, not the Satan. Yeah, Luciferian's a better word. Luciferian figure. It's a cool word. Um, yeah, because he just doesn't want to do whatever people want him to do, man. Yeah, it seems li- it seems like a play on the stereotypical Lucifer story. Yeah. You have an angelic being who is stronger than all the other ones and becomes becomes prideful and gets cast down, becomes the main mover Villain, of evil. Yeah. The antagonist. Mm-hmm. The enemy. Right-o. All right. So on the other end of the spectrum, yeah, yeah. the end of the world, that's not something that's actually talked about a hell of a lot. No, there's and there's no real canon, right? Well, there's, there sort of is. So in... So there is a final battle in Tolkien's Legendarium. It's called Dagor Dagorlad. Dagor Dagorath. Dagor Dagorath. I'm sorry. Dagor Dagorlad. You're getting your Dagors mixed up, Joel. <laughs> Dagorlad. That was... Dagor is uh, the Elvish word for battle. Dagor Dagorlad. That was during the Last Alliance. So, excuse me. So right the on. final battle is Dagor Dagorath. The final battle at the end of the world. So in What's Tolkien's your... original manuscript of the Quintus Silmarillion back in uh, 1937, uh, the, the Quintus Silmarillion in that original version actually ended with a second prophecy of Mandos and it was the prophecy of Dagor Dagorath and just because that prophecy wraps things up really well we uh, decided we'd actually recite that for you. We're going to read the whole fucking thing. <laughs> because it's really cool. And just for listeners in general, because I feel like not many people are going to get to hear this. No, this is something that I learned very late in my Tolkien life. So this is uh, the equivalent of Ragnarok. Yeah, so yeah. this is this is uh, Mandos's second prophecy where he prophesizes the end of the world. Thus spoke Mandos in prophecy. When the Valar sat in judgment in Valinor, and the rumor of his word was whispered among all of the elves of the West, when the world is old and the powers have grown weary, Morgoth, the black foe of the world, seeing that the guard sleepeth, shall come back through the door of the night out of the timeless void, and all shall be darkness, for the sun he will turn to black, and the moon will no longer shed his light. But the host of Valinor shall descend upon him as a searing flame, white and terrible." Then shall the last battle be gathered on the fields of Valinor. In that day, Tulkas shall strive with Morgoth, and on his right hand shall be Aonwe, and on his left, Turin Turambar, son of Hurin. Returning from the doom of men at the ending of the world, and the black sword of Turin shall deal unto Morgoth his death and final end. And so shall the children of Hurin and all the fallen men be avenged. Thereafter shall the earth be broken and remade, and the Silmarils shall be recovered out of air and earth and sea, for Feanor shall surrender them willingly. Yvanna will rekindle the two trees, and a great light shall come forth, and the mountains of Valinor shall be leveled, so that the light shall go out over all the world. In that light the Valar will grow young again, and the elves awake, and all their dead arise, and the purpose of Ilavatar be fulfilled concerning them. But of men in that day, the prophecy of Mandos doth not speak, and no man it names, save Turin only, and to him a place is given among the sons of the Valar. 
Wow. That was a hell of a prophecy. Well, it just says there's like a big battle. Like Morgoth comes back and they fight. Don't, and don't quote me on this. I think Dagger Daggerath means battle of all battles. Like war to battle, end all wars. Battle of battles. Yeah, battle of all battles or something. Yeah, like war to end all wars kind of deal. Gotcha. So, But they have, they have a man deal the final blow to Morgoth. Right. But hold on. Going back, that says his death and final end. So this implies that a Valar can be wrecked out of existence. At least put out a commission for good, yeah. Well, it says final end, though. Like, you couldn't be ended more so. I guess it doesn't explicitly say he ceases to exist, but it feels implied. Yeah. I mean, he, uh, he's, he's, he's destroyed. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. But yeah, that's uh, that's the second prophecy of Mandos. And so, yeah, Morgoth is going to come back in, break the door of night, blacken the sun and moon. What is the door of night? Door of night is the, the basically the door to, from... The barrier into the void. Into the void, yeah. Oh, so he's stuck on the other side of the door. So Arendil must fall asleep or something. How the yeah. fuck does that dude get back in? But eventually Arendil will also return from the sky and he's going to meet Tulkas Manway, Aeonway, Turin, and they're all going to fucking have a crazy fight with Melkor. Yeah. You said, like you said, Turin's going to do the final blow with Gurthang. It's going to be crazy. Through Melkor's heart? Yeah, right through his heart. Didn't know that uh, Valinor had hearts. When they're yeah, they have physical form, bodies. Yeah. Mm. I assume they have organs and guts. They function. <laughs> <laughs> next question, please. So then, next question. We'll go back to, uh, you know, some of the things everybody knows about Lord of the Rings. The familiar stuff. Some familiar stuff. Yeah. So they make this journey all the way to Mordor to throw the ring in a volcano. Right. Because, you know... This is the plot, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that It takes a really long time, and it seems just unnecessary. It's quite a hassle. Why Why couldn't they have just had, like, a dragon melt it or put it somewhere else hot? Good question. And to answer this question, we just took a fucking part of the book, and we're going to read it to you. I guess all the answers <laughs> are in the text, huh? Yeah. It's, one of, it's, uh, it's from the chapter in The Fellowship of the Ring called Shadow of the Past, which is one of the best exposition chapters in any book ever written, and it's what you, when you learn everything about the ring. And this is also... this. Pa- exact passage is also why I got so excited when you specifically asked if the ring could be destroyed by dragon like fire. dragon's fire. Because yeah. they actually directly address that. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to read a quick excerpt for you. It's really cool. This is Gandalf talking to Frodo. Your small fire, of course, would not melt even ordinary gold. The ring has already passed through it unscathed and even unheated. But there is no smith's forge in the Shire that could change it at all. Not even the anvils and furnaces of the dwarves could do that. It has been said that dragonfire could melt and consume the rings of power, but there is not now any dragon left on earth in which the old fire is hot enough, nor was there ever any dragon, not even Ancalagan the Black, who could have harmed the one ring, the ruling ring, for that was made by Sauron himself. There is only one way, to find the cracks of doom in the depths of Orodruin, the fire mountain, and cast the ring there, if you really wish to destroy it, to put it beyond the grasp of the enemy forever. Bam. Bam. Right out of Gandalf's mouth. So so is it it's basically saying that Dragonfire just there's no possible way. Mm-hmm. Not for the one ring. Not but you know how ring. there were the other magical rings made around the same time? Like Some of them were said to be destroyed. Three for right? the elves, uh, uh, seven for the dwarf lords, mm-hmm. nine for men. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's said that those ones could be destroyed by dragon fire. Yeah. But not the one ring. But not the one not ring. No, the one yeah, ring. Not even Ankanagon the Black, the biggest damn dragon that ever lived. When he fell to the ground, he took down three mountain peaks. He was a colossal-sized dragon. Huge. Not even he could melt the one ring. Okay. This also 
I feel like it's implying that there, because it says there's not now any dragon left on Earth. I think that means there's not now any dragon left on Earth hot enough to destroy any of the other rings of power if they were still around. Well, but I'm I'm more so saying there's specifically saying a dragon left on Earth. Could there be dragons somewhere else? Oh yeah, there are. There if are up up north. Um, so if you look at a, at any regular map of Middle Earth, you know they'll have all the regions broken up. But up on the north part of the map, there's a mountain range for the the Forodwaith, the Gray Mountains, and there's then it goes up at the up north area is called the Forodwaith, and that's where it said it, most of the dragons went to after uh, the collapse of Angban in the first age. Like to run away? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because uh, at the end of the first age is when the War of Wrath happens. There's that massive war where the Valar finally come down and deal with Melkor, and there's an all-out battle for would we say 42 years? 42 years. Yeah. Jeez. And so that's when yeah. he, that's when Melkor loses all the dragons he had made, and every there's this crazy battle, and then ultimately he loses, as we know. Mm-hmm. So the dragons, and as we know, dragons and Belrog still live after that. So so and a lot of them fucked off. You got to think of it this way too, Trevor. Like it's like think about like Pokemon, right? A very powerful Pokemon has to be controlled by a very powerful trainer. And there hasn't been a trainer since Melkor powerful enough to control all the dragons. Okay. so that's, it's, Yeah, that's true. Pokemon reference, yeah! And that was actually a valid concern of, of uh, Gandalf during the Hobbit stuff. Is that because ma- Sauron could c- potentially control Smog? Yeah, team yeah, up or, or control, him, something. Yeah. That, that was his main concern. So that was actually why Gandalf was so gung-ho to do this let's go get Smog thing, because he was like, we know that there's some shit going on with Sauron right now. Gandalf don't care about the treasure. And they, yeah, he doesn't give a shit about <laughs> the gold. Hell no. He's just like, we really don't want this dragon and Sauron teaming up, because that would literally be like the end. That's yeah. a devastation. So let's kill it or get rid of it somehow. So then, I guess to answer my question, when they're referencing left on Earth, we're just talking Middle Earth. Yeah. Usually, usually that's what they refer Yeah, so to, they're yeah. including like the Fordwaith up north where there is supposedly a lot more dragons up there. It's not a very inhabited land. It's just like mountains and shit. Oh, so all the dragons up there just suck. Like they couldn't burn any of the rings. Apparently. Not anymore, yeah. That's what Gandalf's saying at least. Apparently. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, apparently they get weaker also. Shitty dragons. Little tiny dragons. All right, we got a, a, a couple more here. These ones are fun. <laughs> okay. What uh, was Sauron doing while Bilbo had the one ring? So Sauron... Um, well, let's, let's first look at when Bilbo had the ring. Right. During The Hobbit. So we had it from somewhere in the middle of The Hobbit, the quest for Erebor stuff, when he got it from Gollum, all the way through to the beginning of The Lord of the Rings. Can right. I rephrase a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So because Bilbo had the ring and, and you know Bilbo lived to like what 111? Yep. And well he lived way older. Well he, he lived older but he was 111 he, when he gave up the ring. Yeah, he was 111 yeah. when he gave up the ring. So that's just we have like a century not even that we're working with. But Gollum had the ring for a far longer amount of time. Yeah. He did. Yeah, he had yeah, it for like hundreds so of years or something. Can can we start with what Sauron was doing from the time Gollum got the ring? Sure. To the Lord of the Rings? Yeah, so what was what was Sauron doing this whole time while the ring was just like out fucking lost? places yeah so he's still a, a fart in the wind so he's looking for the ring for a while as the fart in the wind doesn't really come up with it now what do you mean by a fart in the wind like the the diminished valor or the diminished Maiar spirit yeah so like we mentioned earlier he put so much of his feia into the ring when he made it he could uh, for instance no longer change his physical shape before he had the ability to like morph into like different forms a fair form well, that was after the destruction form. of Numenor he lost oh was power. it the destruction of Numenor oh excuse me yeah 
Oh. Because he was still fair form in Numenor. And then the island got taken down, and then he couldn't do gotcha. it anymore. Gotcha. Yeah. So then he lost the ability to take physical form after his hand was cut off? For a while. His one yes. finger, yes. For a while? Yes. I guess, how would he get it back? I don't know. Slowly over time, he was just building up his strength. I guess I'm not quite they sure don't how really that works. Yeah, they don't really ever... They just say over explain. time, he builds up his strength and starts to regain his physical form. And that's when they start hearing about the necromancer in in Mirkwood. In Southern Mirkwood, In Southern yeah. Mirkwood, in Dol Guldur. That's actually Sauron as his spirit is regaining strength. So, okay, so he's regaining strength. Mm-hmm. So is he doing this all by himself? Well, he's uh, I think he's rounding up some of his he's old buddies. He's rounding up his old buddies, yeah. So he's like rounding up the ring wraiths again. That's what he's using his main power to is, is get his forces back together. So like uh Mouth of Sauron, that guy comes back. Fucking uh yeah, the ring wraiths eventually come back. Mm-hmm. Could we potentially say that then Sauron, you know, lost as a like a ton of power, but you know, him regaining his power, could that be through third parties? Kind of see, I'm just, I don't know, like, I mean, at least they help him build his organization, you know, like, he might be a fart in the wind, but he's commanding an army. Could he, but could he receive power from them? Like, could another being put their Feia into him to build him back up? I suppose, I don't know why they'd want to. That sounds well, like some necromancy he, shit. Yeah. And he was the necromancer for a while, so maybe that's the kind of weird shit he was, maybe he was, like, leeching the Feia off other people or something. Huh? Some weird, like, Nikola Tesla type science that we don't understand. Yeah, they don't get they definitely don't get into any of those specifics as to yeah. how he does it but yeah well that yeah, could, i think that's a i think that's a valid could that also concern is that what you uh, that's that's valid a valid concern. tribulation could that also imply then that after the whole uh war for the ring thing happens and the ring is melted that he could again potentially build up his strength or y- you know yeah potentially i think that's, he could cause that's the real thing about evil like we said it never goes away yeah that's one of the reoccurring themes we love to br- bring up is that uh, evil is never actually like part of our gone DNA, forever yeah. It's always the spirit of evil is always still there, and sometimes uh, they figure out how to fucking how to come back, regather yeah. strength. We again. don't know, but they do it, yeah. and we know even Melkor is going to find a way to burst back in through the somehow, yeah, from the void at some point. Okay, well, so well, let's call Baggins at that point. And, <laughs> okay. Uh, and continue with what he was doing. So yeah, he's he's getting. Well, that, that's all he's doing. That's pretty much all he's doing. And then the White Council, um, who you might have saw in the Hobbit travesty, <laughs> I'm sorry, trilogy, <laughs> um, <laughs> they uh, um, they kick him out. They uh, so like Elrond and Galadriel and, and uh, Gandalf all whoop ass and kick him out. Yeah, they kick him out of Mirkwood. And then he goes back to Mordor. Yeah, where he goes, str- he was prepared to do that. Yeah, he, just he, went he had straight his, to he Mordor. had a bug out bag, like he was ready to go. And then from then on, it's you know Lord of the Rings stuff. He just gathers himself in Mordor. He rebuilds Barad-dûr, and it's all like fire and brimstone. And so, I guess for the the Lord of the Rings part, then he's really just uh, an idea commanding an army. Yes. Yeah, which is why we uh, originally didn't cover him in our or the Lord of the Rings part of him in our Sauron episode way 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 back way back Be- in season one. Yeah, because he wasn't quite a character really even in the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, he was almost more of like a I don't know like a, a symbol a symbol or a force a of force evil force of nature yeah. force of nature. Yeah, because like he in the Silmarillion, he talks and like does shit. Yeah, he has like, a character like yeah. he, he does like werewolf shit. Yeah, and, like, bites all, dogs and yeah, things. But all like, kinds of wild shit. But yeah, now all he is is like the commander of all the evil shit that's going on. You don't. He doesn't. There's no like dialogue. He doesn't like speak. There's no speaking parts with Sauron. Or he's just an eye staring at stuff. They describe the effects of speaking with him. Yeah, but, on the uh, mouth I don't of think, Sauron. Yeah, I don't think uh, we ever get direct dialogue with Sauron. Yeah, the only the, uh, allegedly the only guy that speaks to him is the mouth of Sauron. Who is the mouth of Sauron? 
I think he's a black Numenorian. Supposed to be a black Numenorian, yeah. Oh, right. That's one of the ones he corrupted. Yeah. One of the assholes. Mm. All right. Should we move on to the next one? Yeah. Yes. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So this this one I thought was real interesting. Mm-hmm. So I know that uh, just in what I've read, and they did this in The Hobbit, you know, they, the movies, they actually sang a couple of songs. A lot of Disney movies sing songs, right? Do you think that uh, the Disney could have made their own Tolkien universe? So here's the thing. <laughs> This is a fun question. Saving the best for last. Yeah, best question for last. John Tolkien hated, hated the shit out of Disney. And there's actually multiple (laughs) sources from from this. So the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs came out the year that The Hobbit came out, 1937, right? It was the year Hobbit came out, right? 1937? I think it was 36 for The Hobbit. Okay. But it was right around the same time. Right around the same time. And him and C.S. Lewis went to see it together, and there's actually letters of them writing shit back and forth about how much they hated the the movie. But we have a couple quotes from a uh, letter written in 1964 in which he discusses Disney a little bit, and uh, we're going to read some quotes from there. I, I love these. I recognize his talent, but it has always seemed to me hopelessly corrupted. Though in most of the pictures proceeding from his studios, there are admirable or charming passages. The effect of all of them is, to me, disgusting. Some have given me nausea. He also hated Disney's uh, business practices and vowed never to work with him. He said, quote, he, on Disney, he said, quote, simply a cheat, willing and eager to defraud the less experienced by trickery sufficiently legal to keep him out of jail. That is some incredible disdain. Yeah. Yeah, he really did not like it. Disney just like bastardizing like what he saw to be like high fantasy fairy tale stuff because yeah. that's all that was like his life. Well, they the that story's originally in the Tales Grim, right? Mhm. The dwarves, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I guess Tolkien really did not like Disney. Not at all. Yeah, and he went on and uh there's you can read all kinds of fun stuff on the internet. Basically called him a heathen at one point. Well, and, and you guys told me there was a there was a Tolkien cartoon, right? Yeah, the one from the 70s that I don't think made very much money. Yeah, cuz originally Disney they wanted to buy the rights to do a movie of The Hobbit and he was just like, "Hell no." So he made his own movie with uh, i don't i don't even sold the rights to somebody else yeah somebody else somebody else not disney i can't remember the guy's name yeah but that's when we get that uh, awesome classic creepy cartoon well we'll we'll have the uh the amazon series to look forward to right and isn't that funny that a disney easily could have picked up lord of the rings and had the hugest nerd empire ever right they got marvel so if they would have got tolkien too it would have been all over right but they went to their biggest competitor the other bajillion dollar company in the world amazon and they're like amazon will you give us a billion dollars jeff bezos said yes all right, I got one one last one for you guys. So, if you had to summarize the entirety of Tolkien's Legendarium into only three lines, what would it be? <laughs> I'm so excited for this. This was like uh, this. I think this was a question you just mentioned in passing, and you. I think you said you were gonna. It was gonna be longer, like in a paragraph or so. And we're like, yeah. ooh, let's do it in like three sentences. <laughs> yeah, I wanted two paragraphs because it seems too vast. But you guys were pretty dead set. Yeah, five thousand with a challenge. Outrageous, because we could. I mean, we could talk about that. Yeah forever so just make it if you're going to put a limit on it let's just make it outrageously short three lines three sentences all right you go first joel you want me to go first okay so my three sentences that i said uh, summarize the entirety of tolkien's legendarium were evil never dies camaraderie is hope and hope is magic okay all right that's very good mine is uh two of my favorite elvish sentences from the the legendarium first one being Aure and Tuluva, obviously my sign-off, which means day shall come again. And then the second one being Auta Ilome, which means night is passing, right? 
And the third one is friendship is magic. <laughs> Similar to Joel. Yeah, maybe I, I, you could probably call that a ripoff. Yeah. Like I, I totally ripped magic. off the friendship is magic with hope is magic. I'm sorry. It's fine. I mean, it's cool. Friendship is magic. That's all I'm saying. It is. So, so it sounds to me like evil is ever present, but if you stick together, you, we will get through it. Well, the night will pass and it will get through. Yes, night will pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. It's great. All right, guys. I think that's where we're going to leave you. Day shall come again. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, we want to, first of all, thank our dear friend Trevor. For yeah, being dude. On the thanks podcast. for being here and thanks for asking us questions. Yeah, thanks for, for your tribulations. Well, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I feel like I learned something or a lot yeah. of somethings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this dude, and he retains it too. Like, we'll ask him, and he'll remember that Caliquendi. Really, you remember that? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> like, this is sort of where the the podcast started. A lot of it was us just ranting to you mm-hmm. a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And he absorbed it all. And he absorbed because he you usually just let it happen. Yeah, he lets it happen. Like He's how many sport. times oh. so through this episode did you actually say Baggins? Probably not enough. But it's okay. Probably not yeah. enough. I don't right. you guys you guys give me too much credit. I don't let it happen. Okay. It happens and I feel the fire. You, yeah. <laughs> I feel the, the fire. Yeah. I don't let you stop talking because yeah. I just keep going, Well, if this then that, but how's this? Yeah. And then what's that? I'll be over at Trevor's house and like really drunk and I'll be like, You know what the thing about fucking air is, man? <laughs> He's flying in a boat. And then Trevor will be like, what do you mean he's flying in a boat? Two hours later, we've t- told the fall of Gondolin. <laughs> and yeah, and the entire Arendelle story. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's you guys when we drink. <laughs> it's, it's always fun. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in today for Trevor's Tribulations. Let us know how you liked it, and let us know if you have your own opinions on any of these questions, or if you think uh, you disagree with something we said. Hit us up. Yeah. Follow us at uh, KOT, at KOT Podcast on Twitter. Um, you can follow me at uh, Danny J, J-A-Y-K-O-T. Um, Joel's not on Twitter. Not yet. I don't know why. <laughs> I ask him nearly every day to get on Twitter, but it's fine. I'm sure one day he will. <laughs> Um, yeah, also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash official keep on Tolkien. Yeah, and also be sure to join the uh, KOT talking group that we have on there. We ha- share a lot of fun, you know, Tolkien related stuff, some funny, some funny stories and it's really funny. a lot of cool conversation as well. And we're doing, uh, it'll still be going on the Silmarillion read along. Yep. Yeah. We're, we've got a Silmarillion read along that we're actively doing on there right now as well. Yeah. So join that group. And uh, follow along with us. And also follow us on Instagram. We do have an Instagram that's more popular than we thought it was. Um, but that's e- that's at Keep On Tolkien Podcast. Yeah, and uh, as always, make sure you subscribe to SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. At, it's usually www.thatsite.com forward slash Keep On Tolkien. Yeah, stay up to date on new episodes. And uh, please give us a rate and review if you like us. If you don't, just don't. Do anything. <laughs> uh-huh. and, a, and a big thank you to all of our patrons on Patreon. Hell yeah, you guys are heroes. Yeah, you guys are the ones that save us. A big thank you. And uh, if anyone else is curious about the Patreon, go and check it out. You can find it at patreon.com forward slash KOT podcast. And what the Patreon does is it really, it just, uh, it helps us financially. So KOT is a 100% DIY podcast and it's still coming out of our pocket. We don't make anything off of it. But uh, through the Patreon, listeners can donate to us and help us fund the cost for recording and editing everything. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it just helps us bring uh, the same content at the same quality that you guys like. And subscribing can also unlock to some super cool exclusive content, which we've been derelict on. I apologize. We're going to try to start doing more. But uh 
uh, just bear with us as we, you know, get our, 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 our stuff is still growing. Um, yeah. And when we do those, we are almost always fucked up and they're always not safe for work. Yeah. So just a heads up if you're checking out the Patreon content. Yeah. Don't do it at work. All right. But as always, guys, I am Joel N. And I'm Danny J. And this is Trevor D. And we are collectively keep on talking. Alray and Tulava.